0: Exodus chapter 14. I don't know where you're at in your life or in your in your spiritual journey, but all of us are on a journey. And it's not just about the destination, it's about the journey. It's about the process that we're walking through. Well, as a church, we're walking through that process. Right now, just to give you a little update, right now we're in uh, negotiations with a church who is very interested in our in our building and our facilities. And so we're Lord have mercy, navigating that terrain. You, you know how tough that terrain can be sometimes. And uh, and so we're in the process of, of working through some things, trying to come to an agreeable agreement instead of even a sentence. <laughs> um, we're trying to get on the same page. They really like the building. Of course, we really want them to have the building. And so we're in that process. So just be praying. And uh, so during that whole transition, we're, We're still, you know, just walking this thing out financially and every other way. So, you know, we've talked about sacrificial giving sacrificially that if that's in your heart to do, we've all kind of pitched in and and agreed to to put that before you and just kind of let you know where things are at. So if that's you, if you're interested, if you want to do that, just put it back there in the box over and above what you already give. But we see what the Lord's doing. We see how God is moving us. We're looking at. Two, possibly three uh, facilities in the city. Somebody say, in in the city. Because the church should be for the city, not the city for the church. Some of you got that. Some of you didn't. We'll announce that later. Anyway, so we're looking at three places downtown. Do you know how hard it is for churches to get back into the city? It's tough. They don't want us there, which makes me want to be there all the more. Um, and so I've even had people tell us, so well, they don't want—we don't want—they uh, don't really want churches. They want businesses who are going to actually uplift and bring the uh, climate of the atmosphere and in the, in the downtown area up." And I said, "Well, then y'all don't want a no business. Y'all want us. Come on now, y'all—they don't want a business. Who do they want? Why? Because we're the ones that are going to bring the climate up." We're the one that's going to lay the foundations for that That every demon in hell and every satanic, demonic force that's thought it's had its stronghold in Tifton that knows that we are set foot here and we're not going to let that happen no more. That's right. Thank you for that one amen. <laughs> Exodus chapter 14. All right, we'll go on to the word. How about that? Exodus chapter 14. I just read it. And so I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna review. I'm just gonna give you a brief kind of overview of what we talked about <coughs> last week. That as the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, and as they left bondage, they begin to take a trip that should have taken seven days, but instead we know that it took forty years. But one of the first things they came up to, came up with, was the Red Sea. And what's interesting is that. This, uh, this journey, uh, really, God took them initially uh, the long way around this journey. He took them seven days to get around out of the, uh, uh, through the wilderness and into the promised land. And many scholars say that, he, that God really actually took them the long way. How many of you know the Lord will take you the long way sometimes to get something out of it? Because even though they were out of Egypt, Egypt wasn't out of them. Just because it's familiar, that doesn't mean that it's freedom. Just because what you were familiar with, just because you're used to Egypt, just because you remember what used to happen, just because you were... And, and th- you, we just read, they had a demented view of what? Oh, you know just going to drag us out here and just let us die? We had it so much better in Egypt because the enemy wants you to cling to your familiarity. He wants you to cling to what you're used to. But just because you're used to it and just because it's familiar, it doesn't necessarily mean it's freedom. Sometimes the solution that God gives us doesn't make sense. I want you to go through this desert season. I want you to go through this thing, and then I'm going to lead you. And then he takes them through the wilderness, gets them to the Red Sea, and turns their back against the wilderness to face the very enemy that's coming after them. That doesn't make sense. Sometimes God wants you to face down the enemy that's coming against you, not in your strength but in his, because it doesn't make sense. But just because it doesn't make sense, it doesn't mean that it's not God. It doesn't make sense to get out of a boat in the middle of a storm and start walking on water. It doesn't make sense for somebody to go, if that's you, Lord Jesus, bid me come. That don't even make sense. Don't even open your mouth. If you ain't sure that it's him, why are you going to even ask? Where are you at in your journey? Where are you at in this place that God has taken you through? Don't be surprised when the enemy tries to come against you. Don't be surprised when he tries to come, because the number one tactic that he'll, he'll use is deception. But the tool that he uses to bring that deception is fear. It's funny, because moses the very first thing Moses said was, fear not. Okay, go to Luke chapter 8, because I'm just going to skip right on over there, Luke chapter 8. It's 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 amazing. It never ceases to amaze me how the Lord works. Haley had no idea. The praise and worship team didn't have any idea what we're going to talk about. You know what we're going to talk about today? Fear and love. And all the songs we've seen has been about love and fear and fear not and overcoming. Luke chapter 8. It's funny because people say, well, you don't plan that pretty good. Well, I would like to take credit for that, but it ain't us. Luke chapter 8, I got this, I wanted to continue what we started talking about last week and I was asking the Lord how can we do this and I went and ate lunch with Denku, I'm going to get you to come up later on before we get done and give that testimony, but he shared a verse of scripture with me and I had told him this, That, but when he shared that verse of scripture with me, I didn't hear anything else he said the rest of the lunch. I mean, it's like, you know, vague, like I remember him talking. Luckily, it was at the end of lunch, not the beginning. But he shared this verse with me, and I mean, it's like the words jumped off the page onto me. And the Lord began to show me some things about Luke chapter 8. All right, so Luke chapter 8, my lovely talked about it, and she uh, she hinted around it. But Luke chapter 8, verse 40 So it was when Jesus returned what the multitude welcomed him for they were all waiting for him and behold there came a man named Jairus and he was a ruler of the synagogue and he fell down at the feet of Jesus and begged him to come to his house for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age and she was dying. But as he went the multitudes thronged him. Now he came to Jesus and begged Jesus to come and Jesus began to come. But in that process, there was other people that begin to surround Jesus and pull on Jesus. You ever notice that when you're in desperate situation, when you're in need and you call for someone, don't it aggravate you when people get up in the way? Nobody's gonna say amen to that. Inez, can you come over? We got something for you. Yeah, okay. And so she's on her way, and then you know, Earl calls or Kara calls and says, Can you stop by for a second? And then she stops by and she's helping her. And then, you know, uh, Haley calls and said, oh, can you swing by here and do something for me? Sure, can you meet me? Okay, so then three hours go by and I'm like, Inez, where are you at? Oh, I got somebody. No, you... I called you first. You come. Is, is that the only one? All of you looking at me sanctimoniously. So Jay Iris, his 12-year-old daughter, is dying. She doesn't have the flu. She doesn't have the sniffle. She doesn't have a sore throat. She's dying. And he throws himself at the feet of Jesus and begs Jesus and says, please come. And Jesus, being the guy that he is, being the lover that he is, he begins to come. But then other people surround. You know what the word thronged mean? It means they surrounded him like he was Justin Bieber. It was a crowd of people. It's not like he could just walk through. It's not like he could just push his way through. So he began to try to work his way. He's on his way to Jairus, and then the woman with the issue of blood. So in the process, he's walking, and all of a sudden he says, Who touched me? And the disciples go, Lord, really? Who touched you? And he said, Virtue's gone out of me. And so this is what he said. Verse 48, And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you whole. Now listen, verse 49 While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. (laughs) Just because it seems that he's got the last word, it doesn't mean that he's got the final say. I mean, this is it. You know, death seems to just end it. You know what I'm saying? We've all experienced, had experience with death. Someone dying, someone close to us dying. So they, the, the, the servant comes to Jairus and says, she's dead. Don't trouble the master anymore. As if troubling the master was a problem in the, in the first place. Just because the enemy has showed up in your life and said, and it seems like, because it's not, but it seems like he's got the last word, it doesn't mean that he's got the final say. My kids all the time think they got the last word sometimes. You you know what I'm talking about? When I was young, I used to do that. I used to be like, are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes, ma'am, I sure do hear what you're saying. I'm going to get the last word. But who's got the final say? My mama. Who's got the final say? In your house. Who's got the final say in our life? It's not, I don't care what the enemy has said to you. I don't care what he's whispered to you. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Tithing doesn't work. Giving doesn't why are, you even, why are you even asking the Lord to heal you? If He if He wanted to heal you, He would have done it already. And, and you done asked, you done got everybody in the church to pray for you twelve times and it you getting worse. It doesn't work. Quit troubling the master. <laughs> Get out of my house, that's right. What use is it? It doesn't make any use. You've been down this road twelve times. What difference does it make? And he's whispering in your ear. Because he wants the last word. He wants you to agree with the last word that he said. Well, I've been clean for four months. You know, fear will keep you in a position of bondage, and you don't even know it. Because fear is familiarity. Fear will keep you. It will grip you. It's real. Fear is real. It is real. I'm not denying that fear isn't a reality. I'm not denying that when fear shows up, it grips a hold of you. And people tell you, well, just ignore the grip. Fear's got his hands around my neck. I can't breathe. How am I supposed to ignore that? Fear will come into your life and will lie to you, give you a false reality as to what the truth is in your life, and keep you in bondage forever, as long as you will allow it. And what's interesting to me is Jesus said this. He said, (coughs) he said, while he was still speaking, so Jesus is still talking. Someone came from the ruler's house, synagogue, saying to him, your daughter's dead, do not be troubled. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid. Now just stop right there. You ever been talking to somebody and your kids, not somebody else's kids, your kids, or your your loved one. You be talking to somebody and somebody tried to come holler at your wife or your husband, you know what I'm saying? All the men in the room, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know when somebody's eyeballing her. Put your eyes right here, boy. Or you little girls, or your girls. You know, my girls are getting older now. I'm like, no. Well, you better keep your eyes right here. I know you. I know what men think. I was a little boy. A young man don't even get sense until they're like 27. And even then, that's on a case-by-case basis. But you ever been talking to somebody, and someone you care about, someone you love, some, somebody's trying to do something, or you hear a word, and you could be engaged in conversation. And because they love you, because you love them, you hear something. So Jesus is talking, and this cray-cray guy comes and tells him, Your daughter's dead, there's no use in troubling the master. And Jesus stops and turns to him and says, What does he say? Have faith in God? What does he say? Don't listen, don't listen to that. What does he say? Listen, you better pull out your you know your memory verses and get on top of yourself. What does he say? He says, Fear not. Now, this is interesting to me. Because we don't know, now we know J- Jairus was in charge of the synagogue, but we don't know the spiritual level at which he was at. We certainly know the spiritual level that the children of Israel were at. Whiny bunch of, you know what babies. Whiny, just, I mean, you done, you're left with gold and silver. I mean, you, they paid you to leave your bondage. And now you got this demented view of what happened, and Moses says, fear not. He said the same thing. So this, to me, reveals something about the characteristic of fear. It's almost like fear has no right and no authority to be anywhere at any time against anyone. But if you don't know that, the reality and the physical and the emotional grip that fear has on you, it, it, grips, it grips you. He didn't say have faith in God. He said fear not. Well, that's the first thing he said. It's like he said no matter where you're at. Listen to me. No matter where you're at in your spiritual condition, all you got to do is look at fear and say not. Because fear, the very presence of fear, should let you know that it doesn't belong there. are you following me am i getting this am i getting this out it's like there's an aspect of fear that when it is revealed it's uncovered that it doesn't belong there anyway there's never a right for fear to be present in your life i'll even say it this way i don't care what you say and what you believe it still doesn't negate what jesus did So whether you entertain fear, ask fear to come into your house and live, it still doesn't belong because he took care of fear. So then why is fear prevalent? Because he doesn't abide by the rules. He doesn't abide by the laws. He breaks laws all the time. And so when fear shows up, it's real. It's like when a burglar shows up or when you've been robbed. You know, we've been robbed. I mean, it, it's, it, it, it's like, it's a level of aggravation, a level of anger, and at the same time, a level of exposure that you've never felt before in your life. It's like you've been violated. The enemy, that's all he wants to do is violate you. And let me tell you this, too. Your children, our children need to be protected because the enemy doesn't play by G, PG, PG-13. He wants every one of our children, he wants to steal their innocence and he wants to kill the elderly so that we have an entire generation that grows up without a knowledge of a loving, good God. Fear is real, but it's, but it's still a lie. Fear in and of itself is simply the absence of It's like darkness. Darkness is not in and of itself uh, a substance. Darkness is what happens when there's no light. Fear is what happens when there's no revelation of God. If faith begins where the will of God is known, fear ends where the revelation of God is present. That's how come people can come into your house and fear can't grip them. That's how come they can come into this church and fear can't grip them. Why? Because we don't allow, because you're surrounded by people who love you, who care for you, who absolutely bring the very essence and the glory of God and manifest it in your presence. Fear can't grip that. I have seen it. How can I say this? I've seen it like this. I've seen fear like a dog. And that dog is very aggressive. And instead of the individual leading the dog around, the dog leads the individual around. But when they come into our presence, the dog can't even be in the building. We've prayed for years. Father, in the name of Jesus, we tell every satanic, and demonic force that as for me and my house we serve the Lord so if you got a demon or you're oppressed by a demon he's not with you today he's way down there at the end of Carpenter Road on the corner down there that's about as far as they've been able to come they can't come that much further and every now and then they try to slip in and we recognize it and we realize it and we deal with it why because fear can't be in the presence of faith it can't be in the presence of an almighty god how do i know that okay first john chapter uh, first john chapter 4 turn there real quick first john chapter 4 And see if he's if he's if he tries to whisper in your ear, well, you've been like this for a long time. It's gonna be, you know, you can't break that overnight. Yeah, yes, you can. That's like saying you can't run a dog off overnight. Or a stray cat. I can take care of them stray animals. Very quietly. My girls don't like me saying that too much but a, a predator or 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 any type of an animal you, you you don't have to you don't just because it is in your yard or just because it's present on your doorstep that don't mean you got to feed it but you take the food away you starve it and it will look for some other place to live well that's one way of, of skinning a cat but the best way to get, get get rid of the cat is what skin it get rid of it You're not following me, what I'm saying. It's getting bloody already. First John chapter 4. Why has everything got to go to blood? 1 John 4 verse 17. Love has, per- has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in the earth. Verse 18. There is no fear in love. Turn to your neighbor and say, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. See, now there's a key right there. Anytime you're tormented, that's not God. That's fear. That's doubt trying to grip you. But he said that perfect love, this is what I like to amplify it. It says, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear. Because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment, so the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. Now listen, God's love is God's love, period. But the degree to which you and I partake or understand of that love varies between how how much we've grown in the Lord. What has a grip on you today in the name of Jesus won't have a grip on you no more. Why? Because you're gaining an understanding of love and fear, and fear cannot, cannot exist because perfect love casts out fear. So the end of fear is when you acknowledge and you receive. It's not even acknowledging. When you experience the love of God, fear has automatically lost its grip and love begins to drive that fear away from you. That's why hellfire and brimstone messages, number one, it's not scriptural. But number two, it don't work. As effective, I mean, you can scare the hell out of people and get them into heaven, I guess. But wouldn't you rather love the hell out of people and get them most definitely in heaven? I mean, some people are only going to respond to love. For God so loved the world. What did he do? He gave. In that gift is all the power that we need to drive fear out of us. Well, what are we going to do? I don't know, but God, you love me. God, you care about me. I'm, I'm the disciple that the Lord loves. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? You start getting this mindset. You start, you start digging in and you start cultivating this mentality that God loves you, and fear has lost its power forever. He said, Fear not. Fear not. I mean I, He didn't say believe. He didn't say believe first. Hello. He said, fear not. The manifestation of Jesus Christ upon the earth was the expression of the glory of God in our midst. And in that expression, in the midst of Jairus, he said to Jairus, fear not. Why did he say, fear not? Because he had already expressed his love and manifested the glory in Jairus' presence to such a degree where he had enough knowledge of the love of God that he had the right to fear not. Or else Jesus was unfair in saying fear not. I'm telling you that every one of you have experienced the full expression in some way, shape, form or fashion of the love of God in your life and fear cannot be in your life. And the moment that we realize, every time he sticks his little nappy head in front of us, we can say what? you grab him by the hair because fear is a it's a spirit fear is a spirit and the love of god drives out fear it drives it so the next time he tries to bring fear and it grips you and it can grip you to such a degree where your heart begins to respond to the atmosphere in which fear is present. Your body will sit. Listen, your body can sense, tangibly sense fear. Why? Because it's a spirit. It it is. Some people say, well, I don't know if I believe that. Okay, y'all go in the back room and let the lions out that we've got in the back and let them roam around. Let a lion roar in our in your presence. Or you ever been in the presence like at a zoo when you've been face to face with a huge animal? And, you know, come on. I go, man, I'm gonna tell you, David was one heck of a man. Samson was, you know. But that but that fear is real. But do you know what's more real? Because fear is allowed in our presence in the absence of true love, in the expression of love. That's why the full expression of love manifested in a person's life, fear has to leave. You're never going to get anybody to listen to you until you express to them the love that God has for them. And it removes and drives out fear. And now that person, now they're ready. One love. Jesus is the fullest expression of love. And in that expression, you don't even have to drive it out. Here's the thing. This is one thing that you don't have to do. <laughs> you don't have to rebuke fear. I mean, I guess you can if you want to. What, what do you do? I will exalt you, Lord, there is no one like you, God. And fear is just like, oh, I don't even know what to do with this. And then you sing it again. I will exalt you, Lord. Jesus loves me, this I know. I mean, whatever. The issue is not how much you love him but how much he loves us. And in that drives out fear. What fear is in your life right now that's tormenting you? Because it's tormenting. Fear's not nice. He's not trying to negotiate a car deal with you. Fear shows up and gives you the worst case scenario at that moment and keeps that picture before you at all times. Boom. Fill in the blank. You know you never did it. You're never going to, you never get, and this is never, and this is, he keeps it right there. And as long as he's right there, it will torment and grip you. I don't know who has been gripped by fear, but as long as you know you're not free from that addiction, he keeps it right there in front of your face. You know what? Maybe you're not. Because you've been trying to free yourself rather than let him be the full expression of love to you and drive out. You take away the fear, and guess what, ladies and gentlemen? The bondage leaves. You take the fear away, and the bondage is gone. If you don't have a fear of dying, then guess what? You can live life to the fullest the way God's created you. If you take away the fear of finances, then guess what? You don't give and tithe because you got to. You give because you want to. You take fear away, you'll honor God with your life. You take fear away, you won't be hesitant to share to people who give them a reason for the hope that you have when they ask you. You won't have that fear. Because when fear leaves, the bondages are broken. He's a lie. He's a liar. He's a liar. <laughs> liar, liar. Pants on fire. He said, fear not. Only believe. It tells me this, and I'm going to close with this. It tells me this. Dealing with the fear is first before you can believe. Why? Because how can how shall they call on Him in whom they have not heard? No. How shall they believe on Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they be sent? How great are the feet of them What am I saying? I'm saying to get people to the belief part of the transaction in the kingdom of God. You and I have the responsibility to be the fullest expression of the glory and the manifest presence of Jesus Christ himself, which removes fear. And when you remove fear, now that person's ripe. You see what I'm saying? That's why when you love on people, when you feed people, when you care for people, when you buy clothes for people, when you love on people, then it opens them up to say, why do you care so much about me? They don't care about anything you got to say if all you're going to do is preach at them. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus, Jesus, okay, help me, Jesus. I've been saying for the past month Lord, I want an expression from the Spirit of God for all of us. If you consider this your family. Lord, I want an expression from the Holy Spirit for all of us. That what we're doing, that where we're going, is where you want us to go. And so that's been in me and I've been praying, Lord, I want want that expression. I'm not, understand what I'm saying. I'm saying there's a... There's a fresh wind of the Spirit. There's a breath of the Spirit when He breathes on something that you're doing. There's an unction. There's a present. There's, there's a knowing on the inside. And I said, Lord, I want that expression. I want that expression. I want... And the other day the Lord said, Son, you're that expression. <laughs> and I said, okay. So now, now we, listen to me. We are the, that expression. We. Carry this treasure in earthen vessel that the excellency may not be of us, but of Him. And we carry, what treasure do we carry around? We can walk into a room where fear is dominating and we can just open up and just let out the glory of God. And every fear and everything in that room has to leave immediately. That's what we carry. What fear has tried to grip you? What is it that's tried to latch itself on you and tried to tell you, "Mm mm-mm, that ain't gonna happen? That ain't gonna work. What fear is it that's tried to grip you? What fear is it that's tried to tell you that your kids are not gonna follow Jesus? Huh? What fear is it well, you know you're not going to live past the age of whatever. Let me tell you something about fear. If Satan was as big and as bad as he says he is, why don't you just ask him how come he hasn't already done what he's trying to threaten you with doing? Because he can't. He's got to have a way in. He's got to to come in. He's got to trespass. He's got to find that door. And I'm telling you that the love of God, perfect love, Will take that day, every door, every crack, every crevice, and remove it out of your life. Dinku, come on up. <coughs> I'm gonna let him share his testimony. You got your little Bible with? You? Yeah, yes, this sir. is the one. This is the one. This is the little Bible where this, where the words "Fear not" just jumped out and totally just revolutionized what it was. Go ahead. All right.
1: Isn't it amazing how God wants to speak to each one of you? I hope you got what transpired here today. About a week ago, my pastor called me and said, do you want to have lunch? I said, sure. When? Just let me know where. And so we set a place, and I start thinking, oh, am I in trouble? <laughs> when your pastor wants to call you, I say, oh, my. So I said, God, I just, I just release myself into you, whatever you want to, to do that. And I just shared what was going on. And that transpired into all of this this morning. When Miss April first said, she says it. What what happened there? I should have their pastor last week. And so he wants to speak to all of you. That's that's what happened. So My wife Ansal and I have got two daughters. We left Ethiopia when they were 1 and 3. We had to leave Ethiopia. We went across all lands, all territories. trying to raise them. They failed all the challenges that you parents who have children know. The young one is feisty. The elder one is calm. So she had more issues, but the, break, the, the greatest challenge that she faced was she went to Charlotte University there to do her masters, and she faced a bunch of color-conscious professors and students. Now. I loved that word you said, expression, because that was what I was thinking. I was sitting there. You said expression, expression. Color is the expression of the majesty, the beauty of God's creation. It is not a tool to separate sinners from saints. It's not a tool to separate the poor from the rich. It's not a tool to separate the smart ones, not for the... So smart ones. It's not a tool to separate one ethnic group to another one. It always surprises me that when you get educated, you're supposed to be enlightened. I don't know that those professors in university, etc. cetera, they come back and are color conscious. Unfortunately, they were dealing with the wrong girl. But she went through hell during that process. As a family, as a dad, as a mom, where do you go? So, I don't, I don't know, I don't remember how this little Bible came about. But I happened to, to be reading Luke 8.15, what, what you read. After God says, Don't fear, just believe. And he said, in several uh, translations, it said she will be healed. She will be made well. That's what he was asking. But this little Bible here said, do not fear, only believe. She will be made whole. It was like a bolt of lightning that went through me when I read that that was the Rama word that I put like a necklace around my head around my, my heart around my neck we were in Athens there and Charlotte was about four hours drive I wanted to be there for my girl but God gave me this Had this little Bible on my desk, like this. Literally for a decade. I will come in and now and then. I will look at it. Yes, she will be me the whole. These color-conscious people want to break your spirit. Don't let them do it. You are the creation of God. You are the beauty of God. Don't succumb to the same thing that they try to pull you into. Don't be color conscious. Leah struggled through that out of anger. Anger destroys you. Be careful. She was angry. She told them to go to hell and left the university. She came back to Atlanta, started to start working. You know what Atlanta is like. So as a parent, it's a long story, but God brought her home to Athens She went back to graduate school, University of Georgia, where she graduated with two degrees first initially. The professors knew her. They welcomed her. She graduated. She's a school counselor now in Gropedale County. Through the experience that she went through, she has a heart for kids. She wants to catch them early inculcate in their mind that they are the beauty the creation of God all this noise society brings around your head just <laughs> so she started a foundation global education foundation where she wants to catch kids. She wants to help. With a friend of hers in Athens, who also has another foundation, he calls it Chess and Community. Where he uses chess as a metaphor for life. Think several steps ahead before you do something. The two of them got together and wanted to take some kids to Ethiopia. They want to show them different cultures. They want to sell them pride. They want to show them different languages, and how people just are the same. They're God's creation. They worked at it for several years, and my wife, Amsal, helped with that. Almost the last two years, they raised funds, etc. And lo and behold, about eight kids, just about in June, they were ready. They had raised the funds. So I said, I left Ethiopia in 83. 34 years, I've not been back. I never wanted to go back. But I couldn't leave her by herself. I couldn't leave that group by herself. So I, I joined them. So we went in June. We spent three weeks in Ethiopia, traveled over 300, uh, 1,300 miles. The crowning of all of this is because of her experience, Leah was doubting her faith. So we got to this place called Lalibela, where there are churches that were built in the 12th century by a king in Ethiopia. They curved it out of rock from the top down. It is a UNESCO heritage site, Lalibela. If you Google it, you'll see the story. When we got there, Leah told me, Daddy, I just feel the presence of God. this place for 900 year, years has been a place of worship daily. I said, just bask in it. We returned Jul- July 4th. We flew back July 3rd, July 4th in the morning. We were having breakfast with her and I was going to drive back to Athens. And, and she shared something: Daddy, I found Jesus. This process has taken over 10 years. She will be made whole. Do you understand? Whatever issue you're facing, do not fear Only believe, no matter how long it takes. Thank you.
0: See, now you go to lunch with him and tell me you don't come back after hearing that story. He didn't know. He didn't have any idea about the things that we've been through and how... Even in the culmination of what God's doing as a church for us as a church and how we're birthing this, you know, a new work and going through the process and how the enemy's lying and he always come and try to sow seeds of doubt and fear. Fear not. And I say this and then we we'll, then we'll close. He could have said, fear not, only believe, and she will be healed. But do you understand that wholeness is a whole nother level beyond healed? Wholeness in her mind, wholeness in her spirit, wholeness in her body, wholeness in her emotions, the whole essence. And then I was reminded Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. What's better than getting healed, getting whole?" getting whole. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We say no to fear. We say fear, you'll be gone. The very presence of your existence notifies me that you're trespassing. It lets me know that you don't even belong and that I already have the authority to say be gone. I will fear. I refuse to fear. And I only choose to bask In the essence and the full expression of God, which is the love of God made manifest through Jesus. That's what I meditate. That's what we live in. And fear has to go. And in that presence, there's fullness of joy. And now we say we believe. We believe what you've told us. We believe what you have, what you are telling us. We believe what the Word of God says about us. We refuse to let fear have any more control over us we thank you for it in the name of Jesus and everybody said amen we're meeting on Wednesday nights here in September the first Wednesday night of September we're going to be starting our small group ministry again because we may not even have a building we may have to get out and just meet from house to house for a little while We'll keep you updated. We're going to have more information coming to you. But just wanted you to know, we are meeting on Wednesdays. But in September, we're going to kick back off into small groups around the area. Amen? Well, listen, you go. Be blessed. In Jesus' name.